Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're talking about miniatures and RPGs. What do they bring to the table? So we kind of touched on this when we talked about theater of the mind versus miniature gameplay. But I thought it deserved, we thought it deserved a... Its own time? Its own, yes, its own time, its own episode. RPGs and, and miniatures have been closely tied together from the very beginning, right? Since D&D was born. Now, again, there's some people say D&D wasn't the first role-playing game. But definitely the people, uh, D&D has had a big impact in the role-playing world. And the people who played, who came up with D&D, played miniature war games. I mean, that's from Dave Arneson to Gary Gygax and all those people that were in that first incarnation of D&D and Blackmore and all these other games that were floating around in that area. I think you mean era, not area. Well, no, well, I'm talking about uh, Wisconsin and, and that for whatever reason. So you do mean area. I do mean area. Even though I think, what is his name? Dave Honorson wasn't from Wisconsin. He was from a little bit farther away. But he did obviously go and play with uh, Gary Gygax and his people in Wisconsin. I started playing in 1978 and miniatures were always closely tied to role-playing games. It seemed like the model to do, right? All role-playing games of the first role-playing games were, not all of them were, but the, many of them were incarnations of miniature games. For example, a Space Opera, which was created in 1981, was based on a miniature game called Space Marines. And, and so they had their own line of miniatures. Uh, Top Secret, another role-playing game by TSR, uh, espionage game, had its own line of miniatures. So usually when, when you came up with a, or published a role-playing game, miniatures were involved somehow, either tacitly or specifically, with that game why do you think that is well because dnd was the model right it was the role model for it and that's what that's where dnd came from so dnd had miniatures in fact the first miniatures i ever owned were when me my my brother and friends of ours bought a box of dnd miniatures in fact i still have some of those old miniatures from over 35 years ago that we bought you know the big the big box of i think it was 20 miniatures i do not know and gamma world the first miniatures that i bought on my own when i had enough money to buy them and found a store that could have that had them i think it was dnj hobby uh i bought gamma world figures and some of those i still have uh, from the original big box of uh of figures so i think it's not just that they are part of the game as in because it was there, so people get them. I think that people like to actually have them on the table because it's cool to have miniatures. Right, and and and, and miniatures themselves. It, it what's weird about it is that like, unlike role playing, well, like role playing, it requires a, a certain set of skills to be able to paint miniatures, and it's nothing to do with role playing, right? You know, painting miniatures and role playing well have almost nothing in common. You know, you know, uh, learning how to paint. And learning how to do these all these different techniques that make your miniature look good just seemed really different to me. And one of the things that I remember is, or well, one thing that I have to say is that I paint now like I painted when I first started painting miniatures, right? Because I've, you know, I'm of different generation, and so, you know, I could easily within the last what 10, 15 years, I could have easily gone to YouTube, and and I'm sure there's some painting techniques on there, but I've never really thought about it much until it was my son was watching all kinds of YouTube videos on how to do this and how to do that. And I've even looked on it to like figure out the software I use to record, how to use it to be able to get more utilization out of this uh, software. It's okay because you have teenagers that can paint for you. <laughs> I mean, that, uh, other than that, I mean, but the, the funny thing is, is that back when I started painting miniatures back in the 70s, there was no resources that I could uh, find or even 
look for, right? Maybe I could have found a manual on painting miniatures in my local library. I doubt it. I don't but, think so. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. I'm sure there were hobby things about painting. The only problem with the original miniatures, not the original ones, but the ones back then, is that they were made of lead. I'm sure there aren't any lead miniatures that are made anymore. Yeah, on the box it warned about lead and have a limited, uh, whatever they say, what they say, a limited contact. Exposure. Exposure. And I don't remember <laughs> heating any warning, so I don't know, maybe I had some lead poisoning residue on my, my synapses and brain. So the difference between theater of the mind, which is just playing games, or visualizing it, the problem with that is everybody visualizes everything a little bit differently, which is fine, but miniatures bring it more to life. So you're setting a scene and you have your miniatures out there on your little mat with your little grids and people are going how many spaces are those five feet and right. you put your miniatures out there the miniatures take up the whole five feet but we won't talk about that because literally they do they take up the whole square but <laughs> no gotcha. miniatures are that big well, I, that's true usually well if you're using a real tactical heavy game like let's say pathfinder even D D, you get into those weird have to count the squares for how many feet you can move that's pretty important so miniatures aren't pretty important in those games but even if you don't play in that style and have a game that doesn't have five foot steps and five foot squares it has zones like like conan and other games of that of, of that kind that do not have combat specific... isn't laid out in how far you can right. move it that and kind so of stuff. it's more free form even in those situations i think miniatures do help you out mainly just for spatial awareness right because like you said when people, when let's say a GM explains a scene, and no matter how detailed that GM is, whether they're really good or really bad, some players might see it differently. No matter how detailed it is, because they'll just interpret what the GM says differently. And well, we all do, right? Because we all have our own, we're all different people. So usually it's not a big deal. It's like, oh, oh I thought he was a little bit more to the left of me. Okay, that's fine. But sometimes it can be really critical in certain situations where, oh, I thought I was I was attacking him from behind. I didn't know I didn't know that that creature or that monster was in fact in front of me. And so, you know, and then those situations are suck. You got to either one go back in time and refigure everything out or deal with that situation and just let it go. And then maybe you might upset a player or you might actually get him really mad in case if you kill him, if you kill him or really hurt his character. And so in order to avoid that, I really like using miniatures. Even if we're not counting five foot steps, I, I use them to just lay out the general area and then put the miniatures down and be able to. So this is where these people are coming from. And then, and then you know, if you want, there's other things you can add to the table. You know, there's there's walls, there's, you know, like scenery scenery like you know, we usually draw with pens on the mat. But well, you, you, I use a mat, but. But if I had more storage space and had more talent into making things, you know, I know people who bring all kinds of stuff to the game table, like walls, scenery, treasure chests, trees, and it depends on you know how much details you want to add to the tabletop. So that's one reason that miniatures help you. Yes. Or and not only that, but I think that we did learn this new technique from a, a seminar that we went to. <laughs> um, about having everybody close their eyes and setting the scene for them. Even though everybody's going to see something different, this this person, this GM guy, he said that what you should do is have a picture afterwards that kind of explains what you see, right? So you, you, cl you have everyone close their eyes and let them visualize it themselves. That gives everybody their own view of what's happening. But say you're setting the scene of a desert, right? Then you can have a picture 
of what you thought it would look like. Right. Which kind of then helps everybody to be in the same space or at least have an idea of where you where you're thinking you are. Yes. Yeah. I remember that. That was pretty interesting. It was it was interesting that he had a lot of interesting ideas that that I had never thought of. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. And that's one thing you could do. And, and I think similarly, you know, if you describe a scene and then you put the miniatures da- down and then like the people go, oh, OK, that makes sense. Or, or that's that's not exactly what I was thinking of, but I understand now. So that that's what I'm trying to say is that figures in that sense minimize confusion as to where things are. And not only that, but figures are just cool. Um, after playing with the boys when they were little, I always think, and, and we have boxes of miniatures. Not I don't know many. when they came out. Oh, yeah. oh the, talking about the D&D figures. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's quite a few. We don't even have that many, but they're, we do. And they're plastic. They were already painted. They're not, right. they're, I mean, they came the way they are, and the kids just loved them, especially the monsters. When you put dire wolves out for them to see. and Yeah, that's pretty cool. When you're able to match the monster to the to the figure or the figure to the monster that you're trying, that's in the adventure. Or Which we adventure. always don't. We don't always manage that. Right, right. But we use, I try to use the monster that's the right the right size. Because at one point we stopped buying these miniatures because they were just, I mean, we'll get into the storage of miniatures later. But, you know, it takes a lot of space. And they was just, there's just a ton of those type of miniatures. And D&D. they're not uh, exactly cheap. Well, yeah. They're not, not exactly expensive. They're but. not really expensive, but then you're right. They're not really, really cheap. And, it, and you can get them cheap. Like if, you, if you're like Saul. If you go to a gamer's flea market, somebody's getting rid of their stuff usually. And hopefully it's their plastic, those plastic miniatures. And they'll sell them for like, here's a bag of miniatures for $10 or $5. And you get like 20 miniatures, depending on what, what they are. And that's I've bought a few of those lately. Not lately, but in the past. I've gone on eBay and found lots, lot, lots, not a whole Both lot. lots and lots. <laughs> I mean, you know, when they, when they sell them in a group, that's the way I like buying them because I don't like buying them individually because I really care less about each individual figure. But if I buy a group and they call them lots in uh, eBay, you because it's get, like an auction. Yeah, you can. You can <laughs> confuse me. So you can usually grab a whole bunch for uh, much cheaper than you would if you even bought them new. Well, because they're not new, right? Or Somebody you, already had right. them. And or they're used. But they're still fine. They're I mean, figures. Yeah. And, you know, and, and the good thing about those figures is that they're really durable, right? You could toss them around and... Thank goodness. And you don't care about it being hit and by a And kids can handle them without worrying about lead poisoning. Well, they don't make them out of lead anymore. I know what you're saying. <laughs> or, you know, like... Either. Well, when I was a kid, my brother read the warnings on the on the Gamma World figures. Oh, yeah. And I wasn't allowed to actually touch them more than... Well, if you paint them, then you should be able to touch them. We didn't... Oh, we didn't paint them? No, we yeah. weren't quite there. Yeah, you don't have to worry about lead and figures. I think they've outlawed them actually. So I'm sure they, they have. switched from and then we, we they use resin now and plastic. Right. They, they switched to pewter, which is I guess non lead. Uh, well, pewter is uh, a a combination, right? I don't think it has lead in it. Probably has something else. Yeah, but it's a combination of metals. It's a little bit more costlier, but they used they make them out of metal. And then lately, 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 within the last what ten years, they really started going into resin and plastic, which is only good for us because not only now can you buy them by the figures in plastic and already painted, but there's places like oh, yeah. there's places because it's in plastic, right? So they put the color in as they do it or resin. But then there's places like what did you say it was Hero, Hero Forge, Forge yeah. where you can go and you can create your own figure. 
Right. And the thing about that is that people love the idea of creating their their character that everybody has in their head what their character looks like, right? And yes. so you can find a picture of somebody else's view of it, but if you can make a little figure of yourself, which one of our friend's kids did, he got us each a, all of us, and there were like seven or eight of us, our own figure for Christmas. And he painted them for us. He asked us what you wanted them to look like. Oh, and, yeah. And so that was really cool because it was his idea of our characters, right? Right. And I, I, I think they're 3D printed figures, but they, but what the thing about Hero Forge is that they make them, they can make them out of different kinds of metal and different types of, uh, well, different types of material from like the real cheap plastic to the higher detailed plastic to like copper and steel and stuff. And they, of course, they'll run you a lot of money for each figure. But what is cool, like you said, is that not only can you put them in poses that you like and have the type of figures that you like, uh, you know, like uh, whether it's a orc or half orc or dwarf, but you can have them in different poses. You can have different weapons on them, different accessories, different types of clothes. So you can really fine tune and really detail the character, the figure in the way you visualize your figure, your character. Right. So that's pretty neat, but it's not cheap, but it's, it is pretty neat. It is something that, you know, if you have a favorite character that you have, let's say you don't envision him with a sword or a crossbow, but a mug in his hand, then, you know, they have stuff like that available. You know, and some of them are outrageous. And I think they even added like sci-fi type stuff, like space rifles and stuff like that. And they really need program. I think there's another program that's kind of like, or another website that's that's kind of doing the same thing, but the name escapes me at the, at the moment. That's and when okay. I went, and when I went to the website, it was a few months ago. When I went to the website, it was still buggy. <laughs> it was Maybe they've worked it out by I'm now. I'm sure they have. I'm sure they have. They, they Maybe have once you remember gone. the name, you can yes. put it in the notes. I will put it in the show notes, as they say. So besides the fact that figures are cool, right. and if you think about it, when new people are playing the game or kids are playing the game, I think that that's one of the things that attracts people, right? At least me, especially with kids, because I know when we set up the, when I've run kids games at conventions, putting out figures, especially the monsters, is a really <laughs> cool thing. Sometimes I only had pictures, but then you get the, the boys, of course, got the boxes of figures and would pick out what they thought it was. The and closest then, approximation. And then yes. there's other kids at the table who've never, you know, been, done this before. And they're like, just the, the joy in their eyes, the idea that, you know, there's little dolls to play with or there's little, you know. It's pretty cool. So besides yeah. that aspect of it, I think the another aspect of it that I really like is um, figures for combat, right? So when you're when you have the scene laid out of of where people are going to fight, it's always good to like Saul said, you want to know where the bad guys are coming from. So it's easy to draw a map or or explain it. But if you, when, once you set the figures down or you tell people roll initiative and everybody's figures are out there and the, the GM says, what order are you walking in? Then you know that something's going to happen, right? Yes, definitely. The, setting the table with figures or scenery and stuff like that is pretty cool. It is pretty cool. I, there's no doubt about it. And it does attract you know people to your table if you're if you're playing in a, in a convention or at a store, for example. You know, remember that... Uh, my son played in this humongous multi-table oh, and obviously multiplayer game. I think there were like four or five tables. And there were three or four tables, yeah. yeah. Three or four. That was more than that. They had anyway. a huge. And so they all had figures. And what, what happened was the whole the whole reason for this humongous game was they had bought into the Reaper Kickstarter. And the Reaper, and if anybody knows, if you don't know, Reaper came out. Is a, is a manufacturer of paints, I believe, and they started making figures. And one of the, you know, their big splash into the 
figure world was uh, or miniature world was they came up with these resin figures in a Kickstarter and the Kickstarter, you know, it went bonkers, right? And so they had all these stretch goals that if, you know, you hit, uh, you know, 100,000 or eight, uh, the stretch goals were really small. The Blah, blah, blah. The points were really close together. And then th- they were making so much money that they kept adding more and more figures to this figure to this bundle so in the end these guys got how many figures i don't know it was a ton it was quite a few it was a huge box like 200 figures at least yeah because they showed you the box that they originally came in and they only used did they were they even painted i don't know i don't 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 remember remember. i just remember there were figures everywhere and that box augustine thought it was like the best thing in the world all these figures and so when they had set everything up it was like wow you know the, the, the different tables it was like really cool. Yeah. And, they had, and then at the final table, they had this huge like arena and stuff like that. It was really neat. And they had all the figures that they, you know, that everybody had been using. And it was pretty cool. In, a, in an event like that, it really does attract and make it seem more grandiose than just sitting there, you know, using your imagination. And if you ever really want to see figures, all you have to do is go into a wargaming room at a convention (laughs) and they have these elaborate things set up, the scenery and all of the different armies and stuff. And it's really cool because they set a scene for you. Well, they all have their little guys out and usually they're little armies of guys, right? So there's a whole bunch of them all together and they have them on their little grids and they take it very seriously. Some of them measure stuff. And of course, this last time we were at a convention, they were using cards for to tell them what to do, which was interesting instead of their little tape measures or rulers and yeah, that was kind of weird. We talked about so, that. So, so if you ever really want to see, if you haven't ever seen like figures like that, that's pretty cool to go in and see, and it's it really sets the scene for you. Oh, definitely. Visually, that's why I think miniature game wargaming is such a big deal. I think it's a kind of a dying art. I mean, a dying hobby because because it, it is a lot of work to paint all those figures, and it, a lot of them are very. You know, uh, they're very adamant about you got to properly have the armies properly painted. You just can't paint them willy nilly like I would and have in the past. Saul wouldn't work. Wouldn't, that wouldn't work with Saul. So miniatures. So they're pretty cool in an RPG. Uh, they add this visual aspect that people really like. Helps you realize where everything is. You the G, as a GM can convey that easily with with players. You know, oh, you're not going to get, oh, I thought he was behind me or I thought I was flanking him or any other idea that could go awry if you're just describing things. And then the players misconstrue what you said. Miniatures eliminate all that on the on the thing and they look cool and they, they bring a certain, you know, kind of a, just they just look really neat. Not only that, but when you're setting the scene and people are looking at the, the map and stuff where all the figures are, it also gives people a chance to. I mean, and visualize it, but they get to ask questions. And some of the funnest parts of games are the questions that other people ask about what's going to happen. Because they will ask questions that I've never thought of. Like, (laughs) okay, so you have it drawn here that the the hills are here. How tall is the hill? Can Can we run up the hill so that if there's an ambush can we hide up there so they don't see us or can we you know they ask all kinds of different questions like you know where's the tree line how far away will somebody be able to see us standing out here all kinds of different things yeah and so it helps to it helps me to to even visualize the scene more but it also sets the scene right because everybody's asking all these questions so then it gets built bigger and bigger you're creating this this valley of where you are right what's going to happen yeah you added more and more details more details are coming into everybody's head right right so it's a better chance that people will have 
close to the same vision. Nobody's going to have exactly the same vision, but yeah, exactly. But it really does help. And, and I think those kind of questions and those kind of, of comments that in that back and forth immerse you into that, into that world, into that situation. I think it just really does help, but there is a downside to measures, right? I don't know what the downside could possibly be. Okay. The very first one is you have to paint them. Usually they don't come painted. Of course you could buy the painted ones. That's fine. But I would say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, know that, that's, I don't know that people would consider that a downside. Well, you know, some people don't like to paint. Then you got to buy paints and you got to buy all these accoutrements that needed to, to work with painted figures. And stuff I like say that. that you throw a party, a miniature painting party, that and you get all your good. friends that like to paint. <laughs> and, Sometimes you know, they're out so. there. It doesn't matter if they paint good or not. Okay, because it doesn't matter if they paint good. I mean, <laughs> you have like 200 figures that need to be painted, so... That's true. Painting is a, th- a thing, right? You, and then you got to learn how to paint well. And But that's kind of a small thing now because there's plenty of YouTube videos. Uh, maybe I'll hunt There's some. also classes at gaming stores. Yes, that's true. Or, yeah, right. But they call them painting parties sometimes. And, yeah. and then people there with with, uh, with some skill and uh, some of them with a lot of skill, you know, can give you pointers and help you how to tell you how to paint. And some places, some gaming stores charge you for it. Some don't. It probably depends on... If they're supplying paints or right. stuff and I, figures, I, and I think at the one of the local game stores, they have a group of of war painter of war painters of a uh, p- painter miniature painters, and it's just a club, and they just come come on paint with us, you know. And then other times, the actual people that make ga- the paints, the game store puts on an event, and they might charge a little bit, but usually they supply one figure, and they give you all the paint and brushes you need. And if you ask around or you go online, I am sure you can find people who. Will let you come and paint with them and teach you how to paint. <laughs> I mean, they, I've seen come these people paint painting. <laughs> they love to paint. It's like, uh, and, the, and people love to tell you what they know. Right. That's true. Sharing knowledge. Okay. So maybe painting isn't a problem, but for some it might be. It's just something else. It's something that takes time too. Then for every problem, there is a solution. Yes. But then there's storage, right? Oh. If you have a lot of figures, even Jolene laments about my meager collection of figures that I have. Storage. Now, in D&D or RPG games, it's not that big of a deal unless you really, like, really want every figure that you're going to use in your game, right? If you have an encounter, oh, I need to have a, uh, a centaur. And so, you know, you, you go out and get a centaur figure. or And all those, all those scenes that you have, you know, sometimes what happens with me, I, I'll have, like, a figure for the main character for the main bad guy and it's sometimes i even just use six side little six sided dice for the minions and you know and so that's cool but for sometimes like i said it's this it all depends on how you want to do it but storage is a big problem right storage and taking the figures so when we were playing we went to the last convention we were waiting for my i was waiting for my game for the table to clear for the previous game to clear before i ran my game which is an alien game which i didn't have any figures for but i didn't either and and the person running the previous game was a dnd he had boxes and boxes of figures right for a four-hour game i think it was a four-hour game he had boxes and boxes of figures and all kinds of stuff and it was funny because he used a wagon to transport his stuff that's not unusual at the conventions <laughs> a wagon i'm, I'm only talking... saying that i'm only saying that because i've seen the some of those guys especially the miniature guys in the in the wargaming college and stuff those people have like huge things that well, they cart around well that that's wargaming so we're talking about role-playing games and i'm talking about this guy was running an rpg of D game 
and he had a wagon full of stuff, mainly figures and some. That's scenery. not unusual either. <laughs> <coughs> I'm just telling you right now that these that guys love these things, these figures and stuff. And yes, it could be you could have an issue with where you're gonna store it, but they sell all those nice little things. They sell all kinds of stuff. All the plastic figures. We went to Target and got a box that well, they the all hand, fit yeah, into. Yeah. It was like a little bin with a handle. And we used uh, a little Tupperware thing. And Saul has figures. those old, old style uh, figure cases. I don't know if they were actual figure cases that he bought when they were figure cases. Yeah, they actually, Or if he made them into figure cases. Well, I remember my brother. It was funny. It was a slight tangent. My brother, he worked at a technical company. And they were throwing away these boxes. And they were... I think they weren't used for miniatures. Miniature uh, people just started using them. So, f- but they were, uh, they were the, the flat, flat uh, snap boxes, and they were, f- they had like some sort of a, a electronic equipment that he used, like measuring equipment, and it had foam. So he just took out the foam and bought more foam and just cut out the little. little that makes sense because instruments, yeah. technical instruments, like for the machine shop and stuff, come in those boxes. Yeah, and yeah. so he he just he, they were throwing them away. He goes, oh, can I take them? And they're like. Oh yeah, we're just gonna throw them away. So he came home like two or three years of them, and they were like, and then the year, a couple of years later, they I they literally started selling them for figures, for figure boxes. They had the foam, the foam inserts were already cut out for little figures. Those things. Did run. you guys make your own foam inserts? I'm a Felipe did. Yeah. Uh, I just bought the things. I haven't bought any new ones either. It's okay because you can find them with the figures at the flea markets or yes. online on <laughs> eBay. Trust me. Yeah, and in fact, I bought. That's how I bought most of the ones I have. I don't think I've ever bought any new ones. I might have bought one or two, but the ones I, I bought were used, or but they weren't. Un, they were they were used, but they weren't used, right? So that I bought them, you know, on secondary market. Somebody so bought them and they didn't use it. They discovered that that was a lot of work. So that that's one thing. That's one thing that you have to worry about is storage, right? Depending you don't on how, actually have to worry about it. You just have to figure out what you're going to do with it. Okay, in a world where people, at least in a modern city world, where people sell you space to put your stuff it could be a problem <laughs> and then i'm not even talking miniature miniature war gamers those guys you know they definitely have to worry about storage storage and transportation because if you're if you're transporting your own painted figures you don't want to just throw them in a big bin where they're going to get chipped and they're going to get scratched and you know if you devoted any time to painting them now that's not my problem but i do have them in you know more or less secure. So I'm cases. sure people can work out where they're going to store. I'm them. just saying it is a consideration, not a I problem. I can understand a consideration. Yeah, but I think I think the the good outweigh the bad. I think uh, miniatures look cool, especially you know like I got the like I said I have Gamma World figures, I have uh, science fiction figures, I have World War Two figures, and depending on on the on the game you're running, they they do enhance the game a bit at your game table. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I mean, if you don't mind uh, having just a few figures, you know, laying, not laying around, but you know, have a little bit of storage area. You don't mind painting figures. I think it. You know, I think it's, it does enhance um, narrative combat if you put out a yeah. few figures. And if you if you have if you like scenery and stuff, you can. That's a whole topic in and of itself because creating towns and stuff would be something else. They might sell those, but. I think it would be a whole different idea. <laughs> well, for example, uh, the last game, the, not the last game, but the convention called DungeonCon, Becky and Steve, they managed the teen room. And Steve is very, very artistic in the sense that he's able to construct scene, scenes, scenery, or whatever you want to call it. And so he was making a spaceship out of cardboard. And he was cutting it up and, 
and taping it together. And, you know, when you people are making stuff, when you first see it, like, oh, yeah, I could kind of see what you're going after. But then when he's done, it's like, and then, like, he, he made it so that so the, you could take off the top of it. And, like, the second story, you know, you could go to below deck of the spaceship. And it was really neat. And I could just imagine playing in the game like that. Because I think he runs Serenity. They weren't Serenity crew, but they, he had made up another spaceship that they... That, that the, looked like it. Yeah, the characters could play in and use. So, wow. I was like, wow, that's pretty neat. And he was making it all weekend. And the game he was running was like on 6 o'clock on, on Sunday. And I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm making a spaceship. And I'm like, really? He goes, and at first I'm like, oh, that doesn't look like much. But then, you know, as as he gets closer and closer to finishing, it looked pretty neat. And it was able to support miniatures, which was really cool. It's really pretty cool. Miniatures are pretty cool. They're good. They're neat to look at. Uh, you can paint them any way you want. You can find figures that are the, for the scene that you want to have. And they represent the characters, you know, give them a little bit of personality. And it really eliminates all these problems that you might have in just explaining or describing a situation. When you're playing a game where you're talking and you have pens, pencils and paper and dice, it's always good to have cool things to accentuate or enhance the gaming experience. So if you haven't played with miniatures, which I'm not sure... If I've ever seen anybody not play with miniatures, I kind of have. I've yeah. got some of those cerebral, cerebral role-playing games. We don't go for those. Or, well, even Saul's alien game. There uh, was no miniatures. There was no miniatures. Oh, I did use pins. Oh, yes. And and a little to show to the show beeps. What? The yeah. bleeps. <laughs> bleeps on, the, uh, on where uh, they were. No, it does. It totally enhances the game, I think. So yeah. I suggest if you haven't painted them. Go find somebody that knows how to paint figures and make friends with them. Or watch a video. I, I think I look at some videos up and put them in the show notes. Videos uh, are pretty cool, but yeah. I suggest finding someone who likes to paint because, you know, it's an experience that you should have. That's true. Yes. And if you have a local gaming store that does that kind of stuff, uh, it should be pretty easy to find somebody. Absolutely. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And you have a good day.